0: you're sitting at your desk, um, just working throughout the day, like you should really be relying on fat as your main fuel source because it's a low, low intensity, like no intensity activity. And so obviously carbohydrates are important in in some regards, but like and when it comes to metabolic flexibility, if your body is metabolically flexible, you're able to basically switch between fuel sources, between our main fuel sources, carbs and fats, but do that in a way that is dependent on the type of activity you're doing.
1: This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Joining me today on a topic I get so many questions about, and in fact, I think so many that sometimes I confuse myself. But we have an expert here to talk to us about metabolic flexibility and the keto diet. I want to introduce you guys to Rachel Gregory. She's a board board certified nutritionist, strength and conditioning specialist podcaster, and founder of Metflex Life. She's also the author of the international best-selling book, The 21-Day Ketogenic Diet Weight Loss Challenge. Currently in her day-to-day coaching business, Rachel guides her clients to become the best, most confident version of themselves. She has a passion for educating those dedicated to optimizing their physical and mental well-being. Her most popular course, Keto for Women, has helped women across the world learn how to ditch restrictive, all-or-nothing mindsets associated with keto, and instead thrive through the power of metabolic flexibility. Rachel, by the way, is a college triathlete and an athletic trainer with a specialty in resistance training and CrossFit. She's worked with all kinds of athletes across the globe. I am so excited to bring you onto the show because we need you. So tell us (laughs) what is going on. First of all, with women in general, I think when it comes to resistance training and our beliefs about it, but then I want to get into this idea about what is metabolic flexibility? What is keto's role in all of that? So many questions, but I'll let you jump in first with your story.
0: Sure. So I, you, you kind of gave me that amazing intro. Thank you so much. Um, so just to give you a little bit of a a background in terms of where I'm coming from. So I, um, I did the first study looking at the ketogenic diet in non-elite CrossFit athletes back in 2016. And that's when keto actually started to get really popular. Um, And that's what actually brought me into the keto space initially. Um, And well, that was 20, it was got published in 2017, but the study was from 2014 to 2016. Um, And so that's what really got me down like the keto rabbit hole, you know, adopted it for myself, um, saw many benefits, a lot of the mental clarity benefits and the kind of Less food focus and um, some things that that really resonated with me for a while. Um, and then I started to work with a lot of clients who were getting benefits as well. Um, mm-hmm. But then over time, as I got through it, as I learned more, as I experimented more, I came to a place where I was actually very ended up being very carb phobic um, yeah. after a while. And then I started to work with a lot of clients who got really great benefits from keto initially, and then they started to become more carb phobic. And so over time I realized like, this was no, no way to live. Right. Like people are fearing legitimate foods, like sweet potatoes and fruit, which you should not be fearing. Right. Those are not bad foods. Right. Um, and so that's what kind of brought me to this metabolic flexibility side of things and really trying to teach people what metabolic flexibility is, why it can be advantageous, um, for a lot of people. And it's really just the ability. I know we'll dive into this, just the ability, of your body to be efficient at the certain fuel sources that it's using for the activity that you're doing. So if you're sitting at your desk, um, just working throughout the day, like you should really yeah. be relying on fat as your main fuel source. Cause it's a low, low intensity, like no intensity activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously carbohydrates are important in in some regards, but like, and when it comes to metabolic flexibility, if your body is metabolically flexible, you're able to basically switch between fuel sources, between our main fuel source, fuel sources, carbs, and fats. Um, but do that in a way that is dependent on the type of activity you're doing. Like I said, low intensity, you know, at your desk all day, you should be relying on fat as fuel to help with, you know, mental focus, things like that. Maybe even dipping into ketosis a little bit. If that's your goal, doesn't have to be. Um, and then when you're doing like high intensity activities or you're lifting at the gym, carbohydrates are a fuel source that's necessary for that. Um, and when I say necessary, I mean optimal, um, it actually isn't necessary. Um, but if you want to get optimal results, probably beneficial, especially if you're training very heavily to have some carbohydrates. And so my goal, especially with women is to help them kind of find this balance between getting some benefits from potentially going into periods of ketosis, but not necessarily having to stay there forever or feeling like they need to stay there forever.
1: Gotcha. So let's uh, talk about that just a little bit because metabolic. So what are the things that really, because there's all this research coming out now about eating at certain intervals and doing this and doing that you know, if we want to keep our metabolism primed, what is the first principle of a healthy metabolism before we even start talking keto and stuff like that? Like what, what are one of the things that we all get wrong when it comes to metabolism and maintaining a healthy metabolism?
0: So this is probably going to be a little bit like not something that you would, would hear when we talk about metabolism. But for me, I think in general, and this might not be like solely specific to metabolism, but is it's protein. (laughs) So I think that protein, like to have just overall health and to function, you know, longevity, maintaining muscle mass, like we talked about overall health benefits, everybody wants to, you know, look at a bathing suit, lose body fat, things like that. Like I think protein is so underrated when Uh it comes to so many different aspects of just general health and body composition um, and having an optimal metabolism. And I think from both sides of the spectrum, people who are um, really focused on maybe keto and then also those who maybe are opposite side, I think protein is the common factor that tends to be forgotten about.
1: Interesting, that's so true because I think your vegans and vegetarians focus a lot on plant-based foods and plant-based living and there are so many advantages to that. And then you've got others that are heavy protein eaters and then you have the keto people that do full out fat. You know, so if protein, and when you say protein, how much protein to maintain our metabolism, is it, you need to get about 15, 20 grams every three to four hours. What's sort of a good rule, or just, is it your total at the end of the day that you think makes a difference? What would you say to that?
0: So I think just starting off in general, typically I recommend, um, and this is going to be a little bit higher than most people have probably heard before, but between 0.8 to one gram, or even 1.2 grams per pound of body weight, um, in protein, if you are someone who has a lot of weight to lose, like if you are overweight or obese, then, you know, you can think more so, okay, 0.8 to one gram per pound of ideal body weight um, per day. That's like a general standpoint. And that's probably the most important. And then as you get that rolling, and as you get consistent with that, then you can start to think about, okay, how can I optimize my protein feedings throughout the day? So how can I think about how much protein I should be eating in, a certain meal right to yeah. increase muscle, muscle protein synthesis um and also like what are those protein sources too um because we know that some protein sources are going to be more bioavailable than others some protein sources are going to have the full spectrum of amino acids that we need. Um, and some aren't, so that's where the quality of the protein is also going to come into play. Um, but in general, I always start, you know, with my clients, it's always like, all right, let's, let's tackle the, the big thing first. Let's tackle the, the daily protein intake. And then we can start to trickle down to, okay, once we have that in, in place, we've done that for a while, then we can start to optimize different things within the day.
1: Okay. Okay. And real quickly before we leave protein and move into the world of keto, what are your top five protein sources? People always ask me that. I'm curious to see what you're going to say. Yeah, sure. So
0: I am a huge fan of animal protein. So animal meats, steaks, um, red meat. I love red meat. I think there's so many nutritional benefits to red meat that have gotten um kind of put down over the years um mm-hmm. and, and feared. Um but red meat has a lot of nutrients, a lot of iron, a lot of beneficial things that that a lot of people are missing out on. So I would say steak. Um, I love chicken too, chicken, any any meat, like I'll put that in its own category, meats, um, eggs, egg whites, um, one trick that I a lot of my clients um when they're trying to get more protein in their day is um combining whole eggs with egg whites instead Mm -hmm. of just like having four whole eggs. Yes. That that's going to be super nutritious and you should be eating the yolks, but if say you're trying to manage your calories and, you know, maybe you're trying to up your protein a little bit. Okay. Maybe we do two whole eggs and like the rest egg whites. So you're getting all those healthy fats from the egg yolk, but you're Mm -hmm. adding in some extra egg whites to bump that protein up even more. Um, cause one egg has about five grams of fat and six grams of protein. Um, so if we can, you know, balance that out with a little bit more protein, that can be a great trick to just bump that up. Um, I love non-fat Greek yogurt or lower fat Greek yogurt, lower fat cottage cheese. That would probably be number three. Um, an easy one is a high quality protein powder. Um, and you can even add that to like, like I'll add a scoop or half a scoop of protein protein powder to non-fat Greek yogurt as an amazing snack. Um, Mm -hmm. you'll get like 30 to 40 grams of protein just in like a little uh, serving of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would be, those Those would be my top top one. Yeah.
1: The animal protein, low-fat cottage cheese or dairy, uh, non-fat Greek yogurt, protein powder added to anything. What was the last mm-hmm. one during this Our eggs,
0: eggs, eggs and egg whites. Yeah. And egg
1: okay. Awesome. All right. Let's move on yeah. to keto. Cause that's really what everybody wants to talk about mm-hmm. and understand a little bit. So keto, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of keto. Let me be hundred percent honest and just put that out there. I'm not a fan of it. Cause I see the lipid levels go up. I see people justify eating foods that are very unhealthy because they're quote unquote keto, mm. right? So what do we have right or wrong when it comes to keto and how, please tell me, can keto improve our metabolic rate?
0: <laughs> so I think you you nailed that one with just foods being quote unquote keto right. is missing the mark completely. So yes, yeah, so you can go, you can technically be on a ketogenic diet and be eating, you know, McDonald's burgers with cheese and not the bun or eating like pounds of butter in your coffee and things like that every morning. And yeah, maybe you're in ketosis, but the benefits of keto in my My just over the years that I've noticed, um, it really comes down to the individual. First of all, like where they're at in their health journey and what their goals are. Um, a lot of the women that I work with have had just a a lot of food focus that they've been, they've been, it's been hard for them to get away with because they have these sugar cravings or they have these cravings for, for higher carbohydrate foods that just can never dissipate. And then when they try keto, it helps to mitigate some of those cravings. It helps to regulate their blood sugar levels a little bit more throughout the day. Um, and it's not that carbs are bad in the sense or anything like that. It's just kind of going back to, okay, what's your, what's your goal and, and what have you been struggling with? Um, and so when it comes to keto, I think the biggest thing, again, that goes back to protein too. a lot of people, like we have to think about keto. It, it came about as a treatment for kids who had epilepsy, right? It was literally a metabolic state that your body can go into, um, not just a diet, right? It's literally changing the way that your, your brain uses its fuel sources. Right. And that's what it, founded on is to help kids. It actually helped kids reduce their seizures because they went from using and relying on glucose for fuel to relying on ketones for fuel. Um, and so that's to treat a disease state. And so they had to have very high ketone levels to be able to do that. And so they had to bump their fats up really high and bring their carbs and their protein down very low to be able to do that. Right. But if we're talking about kind of your average person, just looking to get some of the benefits of keto, whether that's coming from blood sugar regulation, um, whether that's coming from, you know, going actually into a state of ketosis and using ketones for fuel to help with maybe focus throughout the day um, or mental clarity throughout the day. One of the biggest pieces that people make a mistake on is again, coming back to that protein. At least this is what I've seen in my practice over the last six plus years is they reduce protein so low because they think that they need to skyrocket their ketones super, super high and have super, super high fat. And I think that's where the issues are coming in because, you know, being in a state of ketosis is literally reducing your carbs and or fasting. It's a fast mimicking diet. And so you don't need to bump your fats up to astronomical amounts to get into a state of ketosis. Um, Yes, they're, you know, increase in healthy fats can be great, but I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they they go way on one end and they yeah. don't think about um, kind of the moderation of the protein side of things and even a little bit higher protein too. So, gotcha. so I'm a fan of protein, if you couldn't tell.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. So it's interesting though that you you mentioned that fasting and keto. You're right. We never think of those as going together, but fasting indirectly is putting you into a little bit of a ketotic state, right? So- Absolutely. So, okay, so before we jump into fasting, which is yet yet another piece. So when you are doing a modified keto for improved metabolic rate. And you were saying like, you know, when you're sitting and not burning a lot of energy actively, like having more fat during that timeframe is helpful. You know, what, what should people be doing? Like, do we want to give grams out of the number of fat grams they should be having at a given serving? Maybe some examples of foods that will do that, that are dense in terms of, uh, you know, not being high calorie, but at, at the same time providing those grams, you know, how do we go about doing that?
0: Yeah. So typically it's all going to kind of come back to the individual. And I like to talk, I like to kind of look at, first of all, if the goal is to get into a state of ketosis, like I mentioned, you can do that by simply reducing your carbohydrates to a certain amount. Um, Typically for most people, they can get into a state of ketosis by having around 50 grams of total carbohydrates or less Mm -hmm. per day. Um, So if that's the main goal and you want to tests out like your body's ability to get into ketosis and how you function through that, um, reducing your carbohydrates to about to- to a total of 50 grams per day, setting your protein around 0.8 to one gram per pound of body weight and not being afraid of protein, um, is probably the second thing that I would do. And then basically filling in the rest of your calories with fats. Um, and that will depend on what your main goal is, is your main goal to maintain your weight is your main goal to lose body fats, you know, cause we know that we have to be in a calorie deficit in order to do that. Are you looking to gain body fat? So it's really setting those, uh, carbohydrate kind of top like around that 50 grams to start. Some people can, are, are more metabolically healthy than others and they are more active than others. So they can actually have Upwards of maybe 75 to 100 grams of carbs, even more, depending on how active they are, and still actually maintain that state of ketosis, if that's the goal. Um, but in general, about 50 grams total carbs, setting your protein and then filling the rest in with fats. Um, and again, it comes down to do fat
1: grams. Do you like get that specific about fat grams or not really? So, about lowering the carbs.
0: It's mostly about lowering the carbs. Cause if we think about it, your body has the ability to use its own body fat stores.
1: That's the biggest misconception. Everyone's walking around being like, I need to get like, you know, 50 grams of, or hundred grams of fat in per day. But you're saying, yeah. no, it's more about lowering the carbs down to 50 grams and then eating or choosing foods mm-hmm. around that, that allow that carbohydrate reduction, which is ultimately the mm-hmm. issue am I translating this correctly?
0: (laughs) No, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously you both know fats are important, right? We fats are important for hormones, especially healthy fats, right? Not like the McDonald's cheeseburgers without the bun, right? Maybe that's once in a while thing for you, but you know, an everyday thing is probably not going to be, not going to be great for overall health. So exactly what you said, focusing on the carbohydrates and even implementing potentially some fasting that in itself can help get you into that state of ketosis. The fats are really there to help with, um, you know, nourishing, you know, all the different processes that fats are important for hormones, things like that. But we can use, if we have a lot of fat on our bodies. Like we can use that body fat for fuel that turn that turns into ketones through the process of ketogenesis.
1: All right. I'm excited to talk about this next product, because honestly, my daughter brought it to my attention. Most of you know, I have some tweens and teens running around this house and they're on TikTok and they were talking about athletic greens, so much so that my daughter wanted me to order it. So I had to get in on the hype and figure out what all of this was about. And honestly, I'm fascinated. This is good stuff. So let me tell you about it. Athletic greens with one delicious scoop of this stuff. You are absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, Probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, even anti aging. It's all the things in one simple scoop. So of course, my daughter gets me hooked on it. I start taking it and actually miss it if I don't take it every morning. But I've noticed it benefits me just with clarity of thought. I have better energy. And it's so fun to watch my teenagers like this, right? Because they don't like anything. So it is something that they'll stick to, which is a bonus as well. I love this. So here's some fun health facts about it. So many of you asked me about taking a multivitamin. This is a great alternative because you're getting all-in-one nutrition in one scoop. Remember those 75 minerals. Your subscription of Athletic Greens comes with a year of supply of products based on science, including vitamin D, which is so important, especially when we've been talking about the immune system and cold and flu season. In fact, the founder created Athletic Greens because he really wanted a one-stop, one-size sort of fits all option for his own gut health and was tired of taking a lot of different pills and supplements and bottles and spending money on that. So he created Athletic Greens to really offer an all in one nutritional experience. So, right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially headed into the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Dr. Taz to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So Foods that help you get all the way down to 50 grams of carbs a day. What would you be for those? Maybe give us five of those. Yeah. So I would
0: mostly focus on, and and this is what I recommend focusing on those non-starchy vegetables as kind of like the main prior, like the main components of your meals. So picking a, a good protein source, if that protein source is already high in fats, you might not need to add any fats to that. Um, and then having like a nice non-starchy vegetable to go along with that. Um, so any of your non-starchy vegetables think, you know, greens, cauliflower, broccoli, those types of things have good amounts of nutrients and fiber as well. Cause that's going to keep you full. Um, and then I, you know, some people say you can't have fruits on keto. And I think that. Saying you can't have a fruit is just a little bit too extreme. Right. Focusing on the fruits that are a little bit lower in sugar. So, berries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, um, strawberries, those are great options. Um, avocado, avocados are actually a fruit, not a vegetable. Um, those are great options. Um, so, those would be kind of the carbs that I would say make up the majority of your day is going to be more of the non starchy ones and then small amounts of fruits, um, especially the lower sugar fruits.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Now bring muscle science into this. So how does muscle science? So we've talked a lot about food and protein and and fat and carbs and all this other stuff, bring the muscle component to this when it comes to our metabolism and metabolic Mm -hmm. flexibility. Talk to us about that.
0: Yeah, sure. So muscle mass is super, super important. I think this is something that, you know, it's, it's been, you know, more normal these days versus like 30 years ago, um, for women, especially it's like lifting weights is so beneficial for so many different aspects of health and longevity, especially, and having a muscle mass, like muscle is the most metabolic tissue. So if you have a good amount of muscle mass on your body, you'll be able to basically maintain, uh, maintain your weight and eat more really, because muscle is very metabolically taxing to your body. So you need energy to maintain that muscle mass. Um, it's also going to create that look that everybody wants, right. That toned look mm-hmm. toning and, and looking tone and having, um, you know, a nice butt or whatever you want that, that comes from having muscle. It doesn't come from, you know, spending hours on the treadmill. Right? right. So that's something that a lot of, like one of the messages that I try to preach to a lot of women is like, if you want to have that toned look, it's not just about putting yourself into a restrictive calorie deficit forever. Like that's not going to build the glutes and the butt that everybody wants. That's not going to build the nice arms, the toned arms. You have to lift weights. You have to build muscle so that when you do reduce the body fat underneath, that is the muscle is the toned look that you're looking for. So, um, that's obviously from a body composition standpoint, but for longevity, for overall just health, we have to, you know, what the, one of the most, um, common, um, one of the most common causes of deaths is falling. And when you're older, right? Because you fall, you break a bone and then that kind of deteriorates your quality of life. If you have more muscle mass, if you're able to squat down and get off the toilet, which is a literal squat. If you had muscles in your legs do that, you're probably going to have a lot less. And there's studies that show this a lot less. You're going to be a lot less likely to fall. And also if you do fall to recover faster from that. So there's so many benefits to muscle. I mean, those are just a few.
1: I love that. So what's the best way for women of all ages? So we have, you know, young women in their twenties, and then we have moms, and then we have women that are perimenopausal and menopausal again, just trying to give them some structure. Like, what do you recommend in, term, in terms of building muscle mass? What are the most effective ways women are busy nowadays? We can't yeah. go in there and power lift for hours. So what would you recommend is like a really effective way to build muscle over a period of time?
0: Absolutely. So I think that, and this is a mistake that I made for years is thinking that we have to do so much that we have to work out six days a week to get results. It's not the case. And, And usually that's actually, um, doing you more disservice is to put your body under stress like that six days a week or seven days a week. Honestly, the best results that I get and that I see my clients get is lifting three times a week, four times a week, maybe even just two times a week like doing a full body session two times a week, or really the first thing I would say is finding something that you can do that you enjoy that hat that includes weights. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's going to be the first thing. Cause if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to stick to it. Right. You're not going to be able to do it long-term. Um, the other thing is realizing that like, sometimes we mistake uh, lifting like lighter weights and, and doing circuit style training and thinking that that is the best option. Um, when mostly that's just kind of cardio actually, especially if the weights are lighter and you're you know, chasing that sweat. Um, so I think a lot of the mistakes that I've made in the past and that a lot of my clients have made in the past is like feeling like we have to do so much and, and like feeling like in your session that you should be sweating and you should be huffing and puffing really building muscle. Like you might not even like, sometimes I go into the gym and I'm training, I'm lifting weights. And like, sometimes I don't even break a sweat, but mm-hmm. it's, that's not because the goal is to train your muscles. The goal is to, um, adapt to that stimulus. The goal is not to, you know, be sweating and, you know, get know. your heart so, so high yeah. all the time.
1: I know. Um, like I'll, go in, I'll do my strength training sessions. And sometimes, I mean, some there are days I only do 20 minutes, but that's okay. Correct. The goal is to load heavier though. It'll be like a heavy 20 minutes. Um, Yeah, absolutely. It's 40, 40, 45, but I never sweat. Like I'll go to hot yoga and I'm like dripping, right? Like I'll go for a run and I'm like super soaked, but I never sweat. And I always think like, did I work out? hard enough? Did I, did I do the right things? What did you say to that?
0: Yeah. And I think that is like such a big mistake that a lot of, especially females think that they need to be sweating or like I used to do CrossFit a lot Mm -hmm. and CrossFit was fun. I love the atmosphere, but I would say like my best results from a body composition standpoint, from a health standpoint came from doing more strength based sessions, more hypertrophy based sessions, mm-hmm. um, where I wasn't dead on the floor, sweating afterwards. Yeah. Um, but that's a mistake that a lot of people make. Cause they think that if they didn't sweat, if they don't feel sore that they didn't get a good workout, right. but that's not the reality. The reality is that if your goal is to build muscle, if your goal is to build as much muscle as possible, That might not be happening. Like, as long as you're working hard, as long as you're, you have enough intensity, you're lifting heavy enough weights to um, get close to muscular failure. That is what's going to move the mark in terms of those adaptations that are going to occur over time with, with building muscle mass. So, So is it
1: three sessions, three 20 minute sessions a week and, you know, try to get heavier and heavier or do more reps or what? Like, what's like you hear all this stuff? What's the right point? So it, again, it
0: depends on the person, but I would say that in general three to, if you're just starting off, if you've never lifted before, you could absolutely start off at two days a week. Um, I would say like 30 to 45 minutes, if you're doing two days a week, focusing on progressive overload, which just means doing a little bit more each week, right? It, It could be coming from, maybe you do one more rep or you do five more pounds or you, um, do one more set. Like those are all forms of progressive overload. So as long as you're progressing week to week and you can just think about it, you know, am I tracking my workouts? Did I do a little bit more this week than I did last week from that standpoint? And if you continue to do that, you will continue to progress over time. Um, so typically most people don't need to do more than four days a week. Um, I don't train more than four days a week. Um, and in terms of lifting and I, I would say mostly like, only the elite athletes need to train maybe five plus days a week. Um, if they have a specific performance goal, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's also thinking about quality over quantity, right? Doing better versus doing more. That's something that a lot of people don't think about. It's like go into your session and really, really focus about how hard you can work and how much quality you can do at with those movements, with that weight versus how much
1: more you have to do. Right. Gotcha. Well, I love that. Any other sort of fat loss tips that you would make sure that we know when we're headed into the gym or in general with eating? I'm curious, you know, what you're seeing there, what you're thinking there.
0: Um, well, Protein again, protein is just the most important nutrient in my eyes. Um, there's so many benefits to it, especially from a fat loss standpoint, make sure you're getting your protein in. I actually have like a free protein hunger hacks ebook that everybody can download if they want. Um, and I can give that to you at the end if you, if you'd like, um, that's going to be the number one thing because that's the thing that a lot of people are just not paying attention to is protein. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then movement, just general movement throughout the day, like paying attention to, you know, your steps throughout the day, paying attention to how much you're moving. I think that's one of the most underrated fat loss tips that people talk about is just, right. you know, you don't have to go spend hours on the the treadmill or you don't have to do like a thousand burpees and be dying of sweat. Right to quote unquote burn calories or to get more energy expenditure, just going out for a 20 to 30 minute walk and building on that and doing lower intensity can be so beneficial from not just a fat loss standpoint, but also to help promote recovery and get you, you know, into more of a parasympathetic rest and digest mode versus a high stressed out mode. Because, and I'll, I'll just, I know I'm rambling on a little bit, but something that people don't realize is that when they do go into a fat loss phase, they they're going into a calorie deficit, right. To lose body fat that in itself is a stress, right? Mm -hmm. Literally putting yourself into a deficit is a stress on your body. And so if you're adding all of these other stressors on top of it, like these high intensity workouts, the stress that you're getting from work, you're not sleeping, like all of those things are gonna pile on and make it so much harder to adhere to your goals, right? So you need to think about the things that you can do to help de-stress while still helping you work towards your goals. So making sure you're sleeping, walking, literally just walking is such a huge piece of it. Protein, obviously, um, and and tracking things. I think that would be one of the biggest things too. Is you know, you you me, you can manage what you measure, right? If you have no idea what you're consuming, if you have no idea how much you're moving throughout the day, then how do you make changes, right? How do you modify right. what you're doing to continue to see results? So,
1: gotcha. Oh my gosh, I can talk about all day long. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I want to ask you one more. I know we're like two two more minutes on this because I got to yeah. fasting. All right. 14 hours, 16 hours, 12 mm. hours, 24 hours. What improves our metabolism and doesn't tinker with it? There's all this research showing that, like this whole, you know, metabolic stacking, right? We eat less, our resting metabolic rate goes mm. down. We eat even less, our resting metabolic rate goes down, and we end up crashing it. All these people are fasting. What do you have to say to that? I think that this is
0: gonna go back to what I mentioned about the stress piece of things. I think especially with women we do have to be very careful when we are implementing fasting. I think fasting can be beneficial for certain for certain people, but if you are already super stressed out in your life and you've like you're not used to fasting and you're just trying to like go all in, that might not be the best idea. Um I think fasting is one of those things that again, we don't realize that it is it is a stress on our body as well, right? Especially with females, we have more sensitive hormones. We react more sensitively to these certain stressors. Um, so we have to be very careful. That's a mistake that I made for years is like trying to, thinking that more was better, right? If I fasted for 14 hours, oh, I should do 16 or 18 or 24 hours and that's better, right? Yeah, maybe you can do that you know, a few times a year, do a 24 hour fast to, to maybe help with, Whatever you know, maybe help reset your kind of gut microbiome a little bit if you're struggling with digest- digestive issues, things like that. Um, but I think a mistake that a lot of people get do is they they get caught up in all of that research that you were talking about, all of those kind of um, clickbaity things that you see online and things like that, and they're not really focused on the big movers that really will make the difference over the long term. Um, so I think fasting can be beneficial, but it all comes down to that individual, and I think the stress component is the biggest thing to think about. um, when you are thinking about fasting is like how much stress do you have? And is this fasting going to benefit me? Um, am I, are like, do I have less stressors going on right now that I could get away with fasting a little bit more, or am I already dealing with so many other stressors that maybe fasting probably like not a good, not, not a good time right now. So.
1: Gotcha. Well, such great tips. I love it. And I know that you have a course and a program. Tell us a little bit about that. If somebody wanted to jump into that, what would they expect and all that other good stuff? Yeah.
0: Sure. So I, I did mention this before. So if you're listening to this and you want to go to metflexlife.com slash protein, you can download that free protein. Uh, it's a hunger hacks protein ebook. Um, so it's all like just recipes that are high protein, lower calorie, high volume. Um, so that's definitely a resource that I think would be super beneficial. Um, and then I do have other programs on my website related to nutrition. Um, I do one-on-one coaching, um, I have exercise programs, keto for women, which is all about teaching you to become more metabolically flexible, um, and then I also have a membership called uh, the Flex Fam, which is um, kind of all of that combined into one.
1: I love it. All this information. I love <laughs> that that you tackle it all because I feel like people are in a keto camp, a protein camp, a fasting camp, but but the camps can't like get along or no, oh, yeah. simply not true. So thank you so much for taking time out to clarify some of that. And where can people reach out to you? You said you've got a couple of different handles. Is it at Metflex life? Is that the best one or so
0: at, um, on Instagram is probably where I'm most active at okay. Rachel CNS on Instagram. Okay. And then, um, you can go to my website, like I said, metflexlife.com slash protein to download that free ebook. And that will get you to all the other places that you can find me as well through the website.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today. I appreciate it. And everybody else listening. Thank you again for watching and listening to this episode of super women wellness. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time.